Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space, what else do we need to stand the test of time to dismantle structures and systems? Brands that represent a movement that's not only trendy, but will protect us for generations to come. And when they protect us and stand the test of time, they can do the work and breaking down the institutions that are designed to oppress us. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Terry here from Cultivating Her Space. Are you tired of working hard for your money? Do you want your business to run smoothly when you're out of office? If you want to learn how to automate your business cash flow and increase your impact and influence, join me for my free workshop at brandwithterry.com. Again, that's brandwithterry.com. My name is spelled T-E-R-R-I. Hope to see you there, lady. All right, lady, we are so excited. We I know that we always say we have a special guest when we have guests, but today this is an episode that you probably don't know that you need, but by the end of it, you're going to be like, dang, thank you, Dom and T. Y'all got me. Okay. This episode right here, it's about to go down. Okay. Now, Rukayatu Tajani or Rookie is the founder, creator, and chief Esquire officer of Firm for the Culture. Rookie founded the Firm for the Culture after years of serving as an intellectual property attorney in the Silicon Valley office of the top litigation firm in the country. Firm for the Culture was born out of Rookie's passion for law, social impact, social entrepreneurship, and strategically scaling to create sustainable change. Rookie is a proud Nigerian-American first-generation professional from the projects of Brooklyn, New York. Okay, okay. A graduate of UC Berkeley School of Law and a member of the New York and California State Bars. She loves to cook, sing, and hike in her spare time. Rookie, welcome to... Cultivating her space. Hey, 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 Terry. Hey, Dominique. How, how are you? I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. How are you? We are, so, we are so excited for this conversation, like selfishly, but then also to introduce it to <laughs> the ladies that tune into Cultivating Her Space. Yes, this is going to be a really fun conversation. 
Yay, yay. All right. So we're just going to go for it. Our quote of the day, and this may sound familiar to you, Rookie, because these are your words. Oh, wow. If you have a brand making impact, you have a brand worth protecting. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm blushing right now. <laughs> <laughs> As you should be. This is, these are your beautiful words that, at least I, I'll speak for myself, that I feel represents the passion and the mission behind what you do. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, if you, it, it really does. And hopefully itself, it explains itself. If you are going out into the world and you're doing something to bring enormous change and enormous contributions, then you want to steward your social impact and you want to make sure that you protect it. So it's always something that we say at Firm for the Culture. We love it. And if you could just go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story, because I noticed that many of us creatives, we often start our journey from a place of learning a hard or expensive lesson or like realizing that there's a void or a need in the market. So can you just tell us what inspired you to embark on this path and create firm for the culture? Yeah, yeah. So Terry, as you noted in the beginning, I am a proud first generation college graduate and law school graduate went to UC Berkeley. After years of being an attorney successfully, I wanted to quit because as the first in my family to attend law school, I just didn't know what I didn't know about navigating that space effectively. And then I'm Black. I'm a Black woman. So I oftentimes was the only one at the table in these spaces, in these places, in these meetings. So that lack of diversity really made me want to quit. But a lot of mentors and sponsors And frankly, some divine intervention, I'm a God girl, really convinced me to keep on the path. So I ended up continuing and joining the number one litigation firm in the country. And I loved it. I loved the work. I loved the intellectual rigor. I loved learning. I loved like just understanding copyrights, trademarks, patents. But again, I I always knew that I wanted to use use my skill set to help social entrepreneurs and people of color because historically we just haven't had the best in terms of protecting our intellectual property, we, we weren't given the, the right resources, the right tools or the right know-how. So I started Firm for the Culture and I took a bold leap of faith and I left the law firm. And Firm for the Culture really serves as my love letter to creatives. It really combines my love for creativity, culture, and social impact. And, you know, it, it allows me to talk about Cardi B and copyrights and and, and Meg the Stallion and trademark. So it really is. Yes. It's clatchy, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so it really is an opportunity for me to just bring my two loves together, which is culture. Well, three loves, culture, social impact, and intellectual property to serve the modern day entrepreneur of today. That's beautiful. <laughs> that you. is, that <laughs> is beautiful. And I do, I, just from our experience with you, I do feel like the, your name, your brand name, your firm's name embodies that. Like you all, you truly represent that. Thank you. Yeah, it was, that even was a faith. <laughs> that was a faith name too, right? Because it's like for the last decade or so, I had been navigating these very, very elite, exclu- almost exclusively white spaces. So, you know, I went to Berkeley, I went to this. I worked for an Obama appointed federal judge. I went to this top law firm. So I was always like in these very elite spaces. And then I left 
to start a firm called Firm for the Culture. <laughs> I talked to some of my like friends back at the spaces, like back in my law firm. They're like, where did you come up with the name? I'm like, it's just, it's what I, it's, it's for the culture. It's for us. It's really for people who are shifting and changing the status quo. It really is for people who, who historically ha- we haven't been told about the power of our intellectual property. We haven't been told about the value of our contributions to the culture. So I wanted to get a name that really, really quickly resonated with like my people, my peeps, my mm-hmm. like creatives to tell them this is literally the firm for you. This is not just some like stodgy, boring law firm that I oftentimes see. This is we're going to talk about LeBron James. We're going to talk about Cardi. We're going to talk about Meg. We're going to talk about, you know, just Kim Kardashian. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about Pokemon. We're going to talk about all of that stuff. Because I want to make sure that by the time you come into contact with those or even leave, you understand that your contributions to the culture matter. I just have to say, lady, as you're listening, I wish you could see us because I feel like this is such a love fest. I don't know, Dom, I know this feeling is mutual because we always (laughs) talk about a rookie offline, but like, I feel just so in awe. Like we could just like, if it's silent on this audio, (laughs) it's because we're just smiling at each other. Just like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I just... It's so incredible. And I do want to talk a bit about why it's important for Black people to trademark and copyright their work. So we want to ask you about that. And I just want to add in that we had an IG Live a while back. Yeah. And you said something that was so powerful. I mean, the whole thing was powerful. People, white, Black, orange, yellow. I mean, they reached out (laughs) and they were just like, this was so amazing. I never knew X, Y, Z, right? But one thing you said in that live that I think comes up for a lot of folks is, well, I have this brand or I have this idea or this business, but I don't know if I have the money to really, you know, invest in like trademark. That's just too much. And one of the things you said that just like hit me like a ton of bricks where I was like, whoa, you were like, it's not a question of, you know, if you can afford it, but what is the cost of you not doing it? Right. And I think you have examples of times where people haven't done it and they missed out on big opportunities. So why is it important for Black people to trademark and copyright their work? Yeah, yeah. And and that conversation was just so, I think it was just like really divine. It wasn't just like about intellectual property. It really was about generational wealth and really cultivating a space where people could really thrive for the sake of their families and sake of future generations. You saw how I did that cultivating. But, but also... Yeah, but and I and you know, I was really researching the answer to that question because I have my own ideas. But one of the things that I just recently came across, especially in light of like, I think you had a recent podcast episode about coon and and jigaboo and just all of these words, those words and those concepts are also trademarked. So there was this there was a perpetuation of a narrative. So so trademarks at its core is a is can be a sound, a logo, a phrase, sometimes even a color that differentiates businesses from other businesses. And a trademark at its core is a narrative. When you see a name in the marketplace, you're oftentimes using it to associate it with the with the reputation of the business or the services that it sells. Just so in that sense. Jigaboo and and Coon and all of these derogatory names were actually trademarked. Were actually trademarked. Do you know if it was us that trademarked it, like our culture, or was it probably it was probably someone else? I do not believe it was us. I do not believe it was us. So that really goes. So that really goes to like why it's so important for Black people to trademark and, and copyright their work. First of all, intellectual property is generational wealth. 
So when I think when I get questions like this, I oftentimes think of Jack Daniels, a famous whiskey that has amassed over $2.7 billion in its lifetime, but it actually came into being with significant help, if not absolute contribution, from a slave named Nerys Green, who taught Jack Daniels everything that he knew. But and Green's ancestors are still alive. Like there are people alive today that are related to Nerys Green, but they're not getting credit or compensation for their contributions to the American culture as we know it today. But Jack Daniels is probably sold in every club, every supermarket, every, you know, just every party there's Jack Daniels, but the family or the people, us, the we, our contributions is not necessarily being compensated. And that type of violation of our of our ability to get compensation is not limited to yesteryear. You have large corporations today who run to the United States Patent and Trademark Office to trademark and gain ownership over brands that we created. You know, at Firm for the Culture, we call that trademark gentrification because it takes our contributions to the culture. Once we provide the adequate goodwill, sometimes it's in the form of T-shirts, sometimes it's in the form of Black Twitter, and then they run to the USPTO, get a get a filing, get a registration, and then sometimes send us a cease and desist to stop utilizing the brand that we made because trademarks, the way they work is it doesn't necessarily privilege creation. It privileges use in a commercial manner. So unless you put that name on a t-shirt, unless you put it on a, in a, on a, on a product, unless you slap it on a podcast, it is not necessarily trademark protection. So when corp- when corporations see hashtags going viral or people saying stuff that's like on Black Twitter, they run to the USPTO because it's something that they know is monetizable. And then once they get their registration, they own it. We don't own it. They own it. And th- which gives them absolute right to send us a cease and desist to literally stop utilizing the name. And then third, because I have so many, sorry about that, but <laughs> third Trademarks are the only form of intellectual property that could theoretically last forever. When you think about brands like Disney and Coca-Cola, the people who made those brands are not alive today, but those brands still exist because the maintenance fees were kept up, because the brands continue to be used in, in commerce. So when you talk about just like brands that stood the test of time, what else do we need to stand the test of time to dismantle structures and systems? Brands that represent a movement that's not only trendy, but will protect us for generations to come. And when they protect us and stand the test of time, they can do the work and breaking down the institutions that are designed to oppress us. So trademarks to me, intellectual property to me is not simply, you know, getting that money. It really is a civil right. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. I got so many questions, right? Like, I, like just off of that, l- those little nuggets of information that you gave, I have like so many questions. So I'm gonna try to make them come logically, so that it's, it's a flow <laughs> and it all makes just come sense, on, right? Let's, let's, let's have all fun. right. So one, something you said about like Black Twitter, right? Yeah, and, and hashtag. So are you saying that we can trademark a hashtag? Oh, absolutely. Because let's go back to the definition of a trademark. A trademark is a name, a slogan, sometimes even a color or sound that's used to distinguish goods and services from another. So there are actually some hashtags that have successfully been registered, like Sephora. Sephora actually owns the trademark hashtag Sephora Squad. 
for educational makeup classes or twinning. Pop Sugar actually owns the, the name hashtag twinning for software that pairs you with your doppelganger. So there's so hashtags can also be utilized as trademarks if they fit the definition of what a trademark is. So if you put, you know, hashtag twinning on a t-shirt, that's a class 25 trademark, which and class 25 is for t-shirts and apparel. If you put it on a notebook, that's a class 16 trademark because class 16 is for journals and, and writing materials. So a hashtag can also be trademarked as well. I'm sure you followed this rookie. So I would love to hear your thoughts about some of the real life instances where we've seen people either sleep on their potential trademark or copyright idea. But many of us have were very familiar with our boy Darrell, where the money reside. Okay. Yes. And one thing I literally, so when I saw this video, it gave me so much joy. I laughed so hard. I watched a billion times, like many of us. <laughs> and I went to his whole page and I kind of stalked him. Like I looked at all his videos and Come I was on, just like, stop. oh my gosh, that's so funny. I okay, I sent it to people. I was, I sent it, I think I sent it to Dom. I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna give you life. Now, what I saw in his comments and in the mentions, one, his platform has grown so much. Like he was yes. the super cent so the other day. Yes, he and was. He's like getting shout outs from Saweetie and Big Boy and all that. But people are in the comments like, you better trademark, you better copyright your stuff. And it looks like he has. But have you seen anything interesting around his brand and what's happened with that? Yeah. So, you know, so I have been following him because we are the firm for the culture, right? So I have watched the video like you where the money resides. And my favorite part of that video is on what? Mary had a little, Mary had a little man. <laughs> okay. I just, I love us so much. We are so like, just, oh my God, I love us so much. But so with that said, you know, his video went viral over a million views in a couple of weeks. And I think he actually deleted it at one point, but you know, Darrell Smiley is a 23 or 26 year old. And he went ahead and talked with an attorney who encouraged him to file an application. And I think that's the smartest thing to do because one of the growing ways that trademarks get rejected nowadays is for becoming what's called too commonplace. So there's a too commonplace rejection that's actually popping up in a lot of trademark applications today. And essentially what that means at, the, at its core is that your brand got so famous that because everyone's using it, no one person can own it. So that's actually happened to a couple of other brands as well. One of the brands that we know is Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is an organization founded by three African-American women in 2014 after the murder of Trayvon Martin and the acquittal of George Zimmerman. Black Lives Matter went on to national acclaim in 2016. They stood on the national and international stage with Hillary and in the Trump campaign in 2017. They were well known for just speaking significantly against injustice and violence. They were known with Michael Brown. They were known with Trayvon Martin. They were known with Sandra Bland. But throughout that entire time, they did not take steps to trademark their brand, right? Until 2017. Over three years or four years after they attempted to trademark the brand. Oh, actually, yeah, they attempted to trademark the brand and they ended up getting rejected because it was quote unquote too commonplace. They did the opposite of what Darrell Smiley did. They waited, essentially. They waited. So fast forward to 2020, you have George Floyd, you know, getting killed in daylight on camera, and, and it starts a resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. 
Now, because the original Black Lives Matter organizers don't actually own the brand, they could do essentially little to stop another Black Lives Matter foundation from popping up and getting a GoFundMe page and misdirecting over $4.4 million in donations. And those donations didn't just come from unwitting consumers. They came from huge, huge organizations, including employees from Apple, employees from Google, employees from Dropbox. So it caused significant consumer confusion in the marketplace. And it really boiled down to people not seeing the value in their brand before it got too famous. So I'm really excited. And we're actually, you know, we're going to share a post about that on our Instagram and talk about like why, like why Smiley is like the best mogul ever for the culture right now, because he out here selling Hondas. He about to sell t-shirts with where the money reside. I just, I'm so excited for like what's happening in his life. And I'm so excited that even at a young age, he knew the value of his intellectual property and he's taken steps now to protect it. Yes. I think that that is super important of like knowing our value. Absolutely. And so let's say that we're out here and we're trying to start a brand, start a company, and or maybe we just have some really creative ideas. How do we go about making sure or searching for conflicts or competitors to make sure that we're like on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. So before we even start the search, because I think there's a couple of steps that we need to take. The first step is really creating a strong brand name. So I've asked Terry this before. I've tested her before, whether a name is a strong brand name or not, but essentially the USPTO considers what's called distinctive names or, or unique names as strong brand names. So think about Pepsi or Kodak, and those names tend to be what's called fanciful or arbitrary. And arbitrary means a word that exists in the English language, but doesn't actually mean the thing that's being sold. So for instance, apple, right? So apple is a fruit. But when you stick an apple onto a computer or when you stick an apple onto a phone, it's what the USP, that's what the USPTO would consider an arbitrary association because Apple does not literally mean computer or Amazon is a tall statuesque woman. But, but if you tack that on to an e-commerce market, an e-commerce market where if you're like me, I buy virtually everything from, and that is what's called an arbitrary association because it's a word that exists, but what's being sold under that word, under that brand is not the literal definition of the word itself. On the other hand, descriptive marks are marks that by by virtue of the definition merely describe the goods and services that's being sold. So think of cold and creamy for ice cream or apples for apples or coffee for coffee. So those words typically cannot be trademarked because as a policy manner, many people, many competitors in the marketplace will need those exact words to describe their goods and services. Imagine for instance if somebody was able to trademark the name podcast, that meant that like it would be essentially a run to the USPTO and the people who would be privileged are those who probably have more money, have more resources, have more know-how to get that name first, which means that we wouldn't be able to explain what we're doing now as a podcast, right? So there are certain words that cannot be trademarked. So first, making sure you have a strong name is the first step. 
And then to your point, Dominique, making sure that no one owns or no one has that name. So don't get caught slipping. A comprehensive search is what's highly recommended. But there's kind of like a two-step process that we at Firm for the Culture take when we search for clients' marks. So the first one is by going to the USPTO Trademark Electronic Search System, also known as TESS. And TESS is on the USPTO website. It is free 99 and you could do a basic search today. And you essentially go into the search, you put the words in there, and then you press search query and you determine if somebody else has that brand. But the test, while it's robust, it's relatively limited. It only gives you what you put in. So if you were to spell girl, G-U-R-L, it wouldn't necessarily give you the results of girl, G-I-R-L, or girls, G-I-R-L-Z, or girls, G-I-R-L-S. And the same way with Starbucks, if you were to put Starbucks in and you were to accidentally add another S, it would actually say that there are no results found. But if you were to put Starbucks in the right way, there are about 157 or 160 results as of the last time I checked. So that while that is a great first step, it is not the only step that we take when we're searching brands to clear our clients' marks. We also do a comprehensive search report, which searches everything and everybody. From yellow and white pages, yes, those still exist, to SEC records, to state databases, to places where people are not necessarily operating with an online presence because there are still a lot of mom and pop shops that are trademarked that will stop you in your tracks if they find out that you're trying to take their name. So we search all of that. And then we come up with the comprehensive search report that's typically about 150 to 200 pages long because it really has every and anything that could possibly come up for the most part when following your brand. And then it's only after that that we then you know, ask the client for the green light to file. But again, if you're hard pressed and you just want to know, as a matter of fact, if your name is something that's available, then test the trademark electronic search system on the USPTO website is the free and efficient way to go. That is so helpful, Rookie. And I will say, I'd love to dive into the conversation about Dom and I and our experience, because I know that this is something we've talked about offline. And so let's just say, so lady, if you check out our first episode of the season, you notice that we made a slight name change to our podcast, right? And (laughs) two years ago, we started this brand. It was just like, oh, we have this idea. It's cute. Let's run with it. Mm -hmm. And then two years into the game, we're like, okay, we want to monetize. We want to really take this seriously. And when we found you and came to you, we had some potentially as devastating news, right? So can we talk yeah. about that process for folks? Also the grieving and like what happens when you sleep on yourself, when you don't take the initiative to invest in this brand when you first started? Because you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen, right? But it, our hope is that it'll become this big thing. So let's dive in. <laughs> let's dive in. Yeah, no, it yeah. it was hard for me too, because I really do like, Like, I love y'all and I really do like appreciate and really honor my clients. So if I'm being honest, I had to kind of go to a therapy session (laughs) before I told y'all because I was like, how am I going to tell them? They got so many followers. (laughs) They're so influential. This is going to be traumatic. But essentially, you know, we started off with the test search as we do with every client. So we had Her Space, you know, Her Space. That was your brand name, Her Space Podcast. and. After like a few preliminary searches on the test USPTO website, we didn't see anything really, really crazy that popped up. So we went ahead and did the comprehensive search. 
And that's when we saw some really, really major issues. We essentially saw two brand names that were very similar, if not identical to yours, operating in the same space. And that was significantly problematic for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because there was a recent U.S. Supreme Court case that essentially says that you don't actually have to be intentionally malicious to be found liable for trademark infringement. And that's a really, really big deal considering the stakes. If you are found liable for trademark infringement, you can essentially be charged or the, or the right owner can be entitled to three times the amount of damages from any profit that you make from essentially taking their brand name. So that, so that was definitely something that I wanted to make sure that you were aware of considering just the influence and the impact that you and you, Terry and you, Dominique, have in the space that you navigate. The second reason is because you really are a growing brand. And I didn't want you as a growing brand to be forced to stop in your tracks. As a person who sends out a lot of cease and desist letters on behalf of my clients, cease and desist literally means what it says. You need to cease. You need to stop doing anything under the brand name that could essentially serve as a ground for liability. So what that essentially means is as you're rebranding, particularly as a big brand like you guys, as you're rebranding, it's going to cost money and you can't even like try to spend money or you can't even try to market yourself to pay the money to rebrand because you can't use the name anymore. So I wanted to make sure that we got ahead of the situation by doing what we like to call at Firm for the Culture brand pivot plan. So, you know, the fact of the matter is you come to us essentially to search your name and to determine if it's a name that we can go forward with. And sometimes it's not. So one of the things that we offer at Firm for the Culture, which is typically valued at about $5,000, is a free brand pivot strategy plan where we essentially look at your brand, look at the essence of how you show up in the marketplace and then suggest brand names after we do our own preliminary search. And then we hop on a call and we really talk through what your new brand name is going to look like. We talk through the marketing, we talk through the brand rollout session, and then we file, file, file quickly to make sure that you have priority at the USPTO and that no one else has the ability to trademark your brand new name. That's definitely a lot. Yeah. And it's, we appreciate it. But I was thinking down, I was thinking about the devastation, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure that there are people that have monetized and they were much more farther along in the process than we were. And of course, anything's possible. You can recover. But I mean, that it's like your baby. This is your brand. You've created this name, this business. And then it's like, I have to do a total rebrand. Does my, will my audience get it? Like, Will it make sense? This is serious stuff. And so I just want to emphasize, lady, as you're listening, you know, you have this idea, you have this brand or this business, you should definitely protect yourself. Like the Mm -hmm. question is, what is it costing me not to do this? Like, this is not the time to, oh, I don't have the money. I'll wait till later. Uh Uh-uh. Like you got to make a decision, right? And Rookie, it has been such a pleasure, you know, working with you. So we are so appreciative of that. I know we touched on this briefly, the copyright. We talked about trademark and the definition of a trademark. Can we just dive into copyright a little bit? Because I know for many of us that are not in the law field, we're, it's confusing for some of us. So yes, can we talk yes, about that? Yes, yes, yes. So I'll talk about the difference between trademark copyright and I'll throw in a little patent too, because I know you got some engineers. You're a techie, Terry. So I know you got some engineers up in this space. So a trademark, essentially, it, it shows the world that the business has a federally registered brand. It protects anything from their business name. 
slogan or logo. A copyright, on the other hand, it shows the world that a business or an individual made what's called an artistic or creative work, like a song, a book, a course, sometimes even a podcast that they have the exclusive right to reproduce. So copyright literally means the right to copy. And it's come to mean the body of exclusive rights granted by law to copyright owners for protection of their work throughout the time of protection. And patents, those protect what's called new and non-obvious inventions, and they give the owner exclusive use of that invention throughout the time of protection. So let's use an analogy to understand the difference between trademark, copyright, and patent. So Sony, Sony likes to sell TVs, right? And to the extent that Sony is selling Sony TVs in the marketplace, Sony serves as a trademark of Sony Corporation because it is a name. It can be a logo, sometimes even a color or sound that's used to distinguish that Sony TV from other TVs in the marketplace. So we know by virtue of the Sony name being on the Sony TV, it's not Toshiba. It's not RCA. And because of that, it may make our ability to shop easier because we know just by virtue of looking at the brand, we know that we're going towards a certain brand over another without having to do any extraneous research because of the brand's name, the brand's reputation. Now, to the extent that that Sony TV is playing commercials or you're watching Netflix off of that Sony TV, if you're anything like me, I'm watching way too much Netflix. Those artistic or creative works fall within the realm of copyright because they are artistic and creative contributions that the creators have the exclusive right to reproduce. Now, to the extent that you have a button that controls the volume or a button that turns the TV on and off, or even the invention that is a TV, that's protected by patent because at the time those parts were made, it was a new and non-obvious invention that gave the owner exclusive use of the invention throughout the time of protection. Now, patents and copyrights tend to be limited in time. There's only a certain amount of time that one can own a patent or copyright before it is essentially kind of given or conveyed to the public at large. Trademarks, on the other hand, I like to call them uh, entrepreneur's best friend, just like diamonds are a girl's best friend, because they're the only form of intellectual property that can last forever, as long as you keep up the maintenance fees. Essentially, they're the They're the only form of IP that can be owned by any one person or any one estate forever. So that means that you have essentially entire kind of, I wouldn't call it dynasties because America doesn't have dynasties, but entire families and generations owning brands that are passed on from generation to generation to generation. So that's the beauty of intellectual property. And hopefully that clarifies the differences. That does. That was really helpful because then that had me thinking about what you've been emphasizing about the importance of creating generational wealth, right? Yeah. Like I think about, as you were talking, I kept thinking about like the Disney Corporation. Yeah. And how that's just billions upon billions of dollars that have been through generations. Yeah. And I think about Disney Plus, right? Like Disney Plus virtually broke the internet when they first came out. But think about like just what's in Disney Plus. You have essentially an entire repository of movies dating back to the 1950s, the 1960s, the 1970s, and they're being sold today. Today. 
to millions and millions of consumers. And that's Disney's copyright because it's an artistic or creative work. Their songs, their books, their movies, their corsets that are being replicated because Disney has the exclusive right to copy it. So that's the beauty of, of, of owning your intellectual property, really, really owning it. Okay. We see the beauty in it, right? <laughs> but what advice would you give to the person who says, rookie, I'm on a tight budget. I hear you on creating generational wealth, mm. but my current pockets are saying no. My current pockets, my bank account is not one that is giving space mm. for me to file this application, for me to hire an attorney. Mm-hmm. How can I protect my brand or my brand name if I'm on a tight budget? Yeah. Wouldn't you the poor man's trademark, right? Yeah. Right? Well, chat. First of all, there's no such thing as a poor man's trademark, and there is no such thing as a poor man's copyright. Simply mailing something to yourself is not the thing to do to protect your intellectual property. That is that's not how it works. So, so let's just dismiss that right off the bat. But also, you know, firm for the culture, like we align with the one-to-one model, which means that for every paying client that we get, we actually give free and low-cost legal education to diverse entrepreneurs. So we don't want you looking crazy out in these streets. Like we realize that not all of you are going to come to a firm for the culture or not all of you are going to go to a trademark attorney to get your trademarks done. But at the very least, follow us on Instagram, firm for the culture, follow us, go to our email list. We give out free trademark tips and the inspirational word of wisdom every single week without fail. So definitely start to get that information, but really understand that to the extent that you don't have the money, then you'll have to allocate the time. You'll have to allocate the time to either do some research or to the extent that you want someone else to help you go to pro bono clinics. So there's a couple of clinics in the United States by law schools that actually help entrepreneurs trademark their brands and protect their intellectual property in general, like in copyright and patent. Now, those are great. Like I I believe Duke Law School has a, a program that does exactly that, but it can be a long waiting list. And remember, trademarks and intellectual property, it really, you really have to start protecting it very shortly after you put it out, out into the marketplace. So while you may save a lot of money protecting your brand through a pro bono clinic, you may lose the right to protect your brand at all if somebody else goes to the USPTO before you and files the brand and files the trademark or, or, or starts utilizing the brand in the marketplace. So you can either pay in time or money, but that option is available to the extent that you're on a tight budget and don't do the poor man's trademark or copyright because that's not a thing. And we're not doing that in 2021. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that, Rookie, because I know many of us have heard that. I know back in the day, I done mailed me some stuff, y'all. Okay. Like I don't protect myself, but (laughs) no, we're not doing that this year. But how long does the process take? Like when you think about, you know, starting the trademark process with an attorney, like if we were to go, like if they were to work with Farm for the Culture, what is that typical process? Yeah. So we do a lot of heavy lifting at the front side because we want to make sure that to the extent that the name needs to be changed, we're doing it very, very quickly. So within two months after engaging us, we more likely than not have your application on file because we want to make sure that we're doing the search, we're doing the clearance, 
We're putting together the materials and we are filing your application because priority is the name of the game in trademarks. Now, in terms of how long the entire process may take, it may take anywhere from 10 to 18 months. And it's actually getting longer, interestingly enough, because more trademarks are being filed. I think in light of COVID-19, a lot of businesses have been popping up, particularly in the online space, and have been grabbing a lot of internet space. It was actually a, a Harvard Law Review article that I read not too long ago that said, are we running out of trademarks? Because so many people are going to the USPTO with essentially the same types of names and are being rejected because other people have already branded those names. So these, these applications are taking a long time because a lot more people are getting woke and filing to protect their brands. So, but if you do it right, and if you do it with a qualified attorney at Firm for the Culture, our average is actually way shorter than the national average. Our average is about six to 10 months. Yeah, about six to 10 months, whereas on average, it takes about 10 to 18 months. So we typically get trademark registrations faster because we do a lot of the heavy lifting at the front end. So we make it easier for the USPTO to simply approve us. That is so helpful. And we're going to change up the energy of the interview. But there's one other question that I'm like, we have to cover this. We can't have this conversation without talking about how to protect yourself after you apply. Because I know you don't have to actually wait until the trademark is registered. You can actually start mm-hmm. using it at a certain point. And can we talk about the TM and the R? Because I know people are going to have questions about that too. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. So TM stands for trademark and SM. Not a lot of people use SM, but SM is also a part of the trifecta. SM stands for service mark. And service mark is, as the name suggests, a service that you put out into the, into the space. So it's not actually a physical good. So to the extent that you're doing a podcast, that's actually a service mark. But in natural English parlance, people typically call brands that fall under service marks and goods, trademarks. So having the TM typically in the upper right-hand corner of your brand shows the world that you are claiming these gr- this group of letters or this group of, 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 of words as the brand to distinguish your business name from other brands in the marketplace. So it shows the world, hey, this is mine. I'm taking steps to protect it. Do not steal it. And you can use that today even if you haven't yet filed an application online, or even if you haven't yet filed an application with the USPTO. On the other hand, an R with the circle around it stands for registered. So you can't actually use that until your brand is officially registered with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And that'll happen about 10 to 18 months after you start the filing process. Amazing. Okay, thank you so much for clarifying. This has been so, so helpful. And Ricky, as you know, we want to shift up the energy of the interview. And because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be classy. Yes, yes, yes. And ratchet. Okay. You can be ratchet, classy. You can be elegant and still dance to strip club music. We want to invite you to the OU Clatchet segment. So do you take on the challenge? I'm here for some clatchetry. I'm here for it. Well, we just going to jump right in. Twerk or two-step? You know, (laughs) I thought about that. You know, it's crazy. And this is ratchet, whatever. I twerk to gospel music sometimes. (laughs) I mean, gospel music is starting to hit right now. It's becoming a bop. Like, 
So I, I mean, you might just, you know, just throw it in a circle a little bit for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Twerk is the anointed movement of it's the anointed movement. I've definitely had to stop myself sometimes because I start to get too into the gospel. And I'm like, wait a minute. We about to twerk right now. Hold on. Have you seen the twerk for Jesus video and song online? I'm mad that I wasn't asked to participate in the twerk for Jesus <laughs> video. <Okay. laughs> you saw the R&B song? I'm just, you know, Jesus is still working on me. But in the interim. <laughs> no judgment. I will have to, if you haven't seen it, I will have to send it to you later. We'll have to like post it on the page because it's actually quite entertaining. But okay, I have to watch we it. Know, we want to know, Rookie, if you had a microphone that connected to the ears of every single black creative and business owner in the world. Okay. That's a lot of black people. Mm. And you had a chance to share one piece of advice with them. What would that advice be? Your contributions matter. Your contributions matter. I think for far too long, we've been told if our contributions to the culture don't look like Facebook or Spotify or Instagram, it doesn't matter and therefore it's not valuable and therefore it's not profitable. But if you have a hashtag that goes viral and you slap that on a shirt, that's a trademark. If your thought is a beautiful Afro-Latina and makes a bomb coquito during Christmas time and has a cookbook with stories in it, that's copyright. And if, you know, your family was making pupusas from time immemorial and you and you got and you started to make an app to deliver those pupusas to other people, that's patent, right? So we get to have our contributions matter as well. So your contributions matter and you you get to take steps to protect it because by virtue of protecting it, you also protect the culture. Oh child, yes, thank you. We're going to have to have a conversation offline about my grandmother's rum balls. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Sounds like something needs to be copyrighted. All mm. right. Next question. What song gets you to the dance floor at the club or party? You know, to this day, I think it's still like Bodak Yellow. I don't know what it is about that song. It's just, it just makes me so gangster sometimes. Like, like... Oh my gosh. Like you just can't code switch with that, with that song. You just gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta like let it all out. So yes, I have been known to, to dance in some red bottoms with some Bodak yellow playing on the speakers. So yes, that's what we like to hear. All right. All right. Now, rookie, what would your stripper name be? We have to know. <laughs> we have to know. I have to pay homage to Trademark. So you know that song, and I can I curse on this like a little bit. You know that song, yes. throw, that, throw that ass in a circle. Yep. So it's throw that R in a circle, like just throw that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I love what you I did like here. You, yes, throw it in a like circle. Something- just, Have you actually considered that? Because I feel like this that came up very fast. Like, this is something that you've been thinking it's about. It's been something that has been on my spirit for a long time. Like, I need to, I probably need to do something with that. But yes, throw that R in a circle. Like, go ahead and protect it real quick. Throw it, like, yes. put, them, put them bands. Yes. Them bands okay, a little before- quick. Before we release this, I feel like you have to like get that domain and trademark that. <laughs> yes. that, right there, that yes. Throw that R in the circle. Yes. Yes. That's, it's a it. That's a bop. Okay. It's a bop. That's a bop. Rookie, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. You have just been such a gem for us. We appreciate you. We appreciate what you do for the culture. 
and just so honored that we crossed paths and you've been able to help us on our journey and just do what you do. Like I'm just so speaking to amazing, smart as thorough as black women. It's just like <laughs> a dream. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm fangirling. I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. We, we appreciate you. We really do. And we want to tell our listeners where they can connect with you if they want to learn more about your services or just get that inspirational content that you post on your social media page. So let them know where they, where they can connect with you. Sure, sure. First of all, like working with you, Dominique and Terry, has been like an amazing dream. And you remind me of why I didn't quit, like why I didn't quit. I think, you know, um, intellectual property attorneys, Black intellectual property attorneys make up less than 2% of IP attorneys in general. And then when you put women on top of that, that's even less. So there were so many times that I just wanted to quit. It was lonely. It was hard. But being able to help you protect this amazing, amazing impact that you're making really just tells me that this was my purpose. This is my purpose. And I should keep on going. So thank you, y'all. I appreciate y'all. So with that, like I said, we don't want you looking crazy out in these streets to the extent that you're going to file your trademark. So first of all, get a free trademark guide by texting CULTURE, C-U-L-T-U-R-E to 33777. Again, that's CULTURE to 33777 and get a free trademark guide. And also you'll be able to join our community for free trademark tips and the inspirational word of wisdom every week. And then follow us on Instagram. We're always sharing just stuff in pop culture, stuff in these internet streets. We're going to be talking about where the money resides really soon. We're going to talk about Nipsey Hussle really, really soon and what the Marathon Continues trademark saga debacle is is about and stuff. So follow us on Instagram to get the news and and to get the, the tea regarding trademarks. And then also connect with us on LinkedIn. We also got our, we're clatches. So we also got our classy side too. So definitely follow us on LinkedIn and connect with us there as well. And then, you know, on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, we got, you know, we, we do some talks on Clubhouse as well. So you'll find us, just follow us everywhere. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit cultivatingherspace.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website, cultivatingherspace.com, and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I am aligned with my inevitable outcome. We'll see you next week, lady.